0: Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. It's easy to start. It takes resilience to start over. I love the passage in Habakkuk 3. O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God has a habit of reviving in the midst. That's what we need to hear. If we're going to get through this second act of life, we need to know that God can take us where we are. Those of you who have ever faced the challenge of writing a play, you know this, are those of you who love to go to plays. I suspect you know this. Beginning is only half the battle. In playwriting, act one is where you lay out the setting, the characters, and the plot. Act two, however, is another story. A common expression amongst producers is, how's the second act? Because introducing a story... It's much easier than finishing that story. You see, in a three-act play, the first act sets up the crisis. The third act is the resolution. But the second act is sometimes called the dark night of the soul. This is where the protagonist will struggle through possible solutions to the ordeal. F. Scott Fitzgerald, author of The Great Gatsby, once said, there are no second acts in American lives meaning that Americans have little patience with the in-between stuff, with the transitions, the detours, the struggles, the abandonment, and angst. We want to go straight from crisis to resolution, from first act to third act, and skip all the transition stuff. But it's in the second act that change comes. A metamorphosis takes place. A reinvention of sorts occurs. And to abandon the second act is to shortchange the entire story. In Bible days, there were many people named Simon. But had that not particular Simon, Simon Peter, had that eureka moment when he cried, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. We would not have known him as we do today. There would not be so many women named Mary today had not a young lady told an angel, Be it unto me according to your word. There would only be a cruel religious zealot named Saul of Tarsus had there not been an encounter on the Damascus Road. For when Act One closes, only Act Two can bring about the lasting change, the change needed to bring a successful conclusion. And that's where we want to settle today in daily devotion. Not at the beginning, not at the ending, but in the middle. Not the first act and not the final act, but the second act. It's why we need Habakkuk to remind us that in the muddle of the middle, God is able to revive. He is able to reveal. He is able to bring change in our lives. We want to go from crisis to resolution, but God wants to bring about the transformation in us that is capable of facing the crisis and leaves us far better than when we entered into it. We see that in the life of Paul. Paul was a citizen of the world. Raised in a Greek city, he could speak Greek like a native. Because of some service performed by an ancestor, he was also a Roman citizen. And Paul was Jewish. He worshiped the one true and living God, one of the most devout groups, of Pharisees. He could trace his lineage back through the tribe of Benjamin to Israel's very first King Saul. He spoke both Hebrew and Aramaic. He was a citizen of the world. Comfortably, Paul wore all three skins, Greek, Roman, and Jewish, until Paul met heaven on the Damascus road. And a blinding light from heaven opened Paul's eyes. So blind to this present world, Paul could only see another world. He had a vision of what he was supposed to be, become, and to do. Paul became a citizen of another world. He was determined to not be disobedient, to the heavenly vision. For a quarter century, he would work to live up to the one who had called him that day. There were some things Paul did in the muddle of the middle, second act kind of things, to get from crisis, act one, to resolution, acts three, to preach in Rome his destiny. Paul had to make some deliberate efforts and you and I will as well. If you're going to get through the second act, You may need to imitate exactly what Paul did. Let me list a few things that he did. Figuratively, he hit the pause button. He took a long walk and did a lot of thinking. In Acts 20, Paul told his traveling companions, you get in the ship, you go. And he walked for miles alone. To get through the second act, sometimes you and I need to take a little time to walk alone, to talk to God, And think about what God is doing with us. Think about the one who can see us through. Maybe the pieces of the puzzle will come together in our minds. Maybe we will start seeing what God is doing for us and through us in the second act. There's a piece of prose written by A.M. Overton My father's way may twist and turn, my heart may throb and ache, but in my soul, I'm glad to know he. Maketh no mistake. My cherished plans may go astray, my hopes may fade away, but still I'll trust my Lord to lead, for he doth know the way. Though night be dark as it may seem, that day will never break. I'll pin my faith, my all in him. He maketh no mistake. Maybe that's what Paul was thinking. God, there's been a lot of twists and turns in my life, but you've not made a single mistake. Thank you, Lord. Another thing you need to do to get through this second act from crisis to resolution, the second thing is to make right an old wrong. In Acts 21, Paul did something. When we are reading it, we fly over it. Paul visited Philip's house. Philip. Philip and Stephen had been two of the people chosen to serve in the Jerusalem church. Stephen was the first martyr that Paul had killed. In the second act of Paul's life, it seems he went to Philip's house. Some conjecture that Paul had never forgiven himself for the stoning of Stephen. For this, Paul called himself the chief of sinners. Maybe he just couldn't face Philip. He knew, Philip knew, that Paul was the reason his friend Stephen had died. Paul, to get through your second act, Maybe you need to go make right an old wrong, or at least try. What God forgives, he forgets. Not so with us. We hold on to things, and sometimes it takes a long time for the old man to die. The memories keep coming back, and with them the feelings of remorse and regret. Who was holding on to something? Paul? Philip? Both of them? I'm not sure. But one thing you should do on the road to eternity, one pit stop you should make in the second act of your life, take your time when you get there, is to right an old wrong. Paul, why are we stopping here? We're going to make right an old wrong. I'm on my way to eternity, and I need to send every sin on ahead of me. I don't need anything following after me. Uh, Who can imagine the conversations Paul and Philip had? Maybe they were strained at first. Maybe there were some residual feelings. Maybe Paul had to say, look, Philip, I'm sorry. Stephen was your friend, your mentor, and I took him from you. Maybe Philip needed to hear himself say, Jesus forgave you, Paul. Who am I to hold a grudge? Acts 20, take a long walk and think. Acts 21, make right an old wrong. And then here's the third thing Paul did in the second act of his life, moving from Act 1, Crisis, to Act 3, Resolution. Acts 22, reconnect with your testimony. Paul left Philip's house to begin the final act of his life, the tumultuous trip from Jerusalem to Rome. He's determined to go one last time to Jerusalem. He's warned, don't go there. But Paul felt bound in his spirit. He had to go back to remember to remember how God got a hold of his heart and his life. He's reconnecting with his testimony. I'm talking of a simple childlike wonder of God, that God is, and that as big as God is, he still loves you and me. It's breathing in the glorious thrill of being known by God, that he knows your name and your frame, that he knew you before you knew yourself, and that he watches over you. When the childlike wonder dies, we die. When we lose the joy of knowing that God loves us and cares for us, we are building a tomb. Can I tell you a story of another man named Paul? He was only three when his dad died, a preacher. He was killed. His dad and four generations before him had been preachers, but not Paul. Paul would carve his own way into a fame that his ancestors would never know. He would write a few years ago in Guidepost magazine. I had everything except a quiet heart. There was an incompleteness inside of me, which I could not define. There was an emptiness there. Vacationing in the hills with his wife, Angel, Paul drove by a small church one weekend, noticed a few cars and seemingly on impulse decided to join them. There were only about 20 people inside. They sang, they worshiped. The preacher got up to preach and said, I want to talk about baptism. Paul later wrote, sighed, I yawned, but with simplicity and earnestness,' the preacher talked about how baptism humbles us before God and it's done in submission to the gospel. Paul said, "'As he talked, I realized that for years "'I'd been a believer in Christ, "'but I'd never been obedient in baptism.'" And at the end of the sermon, the preacher asked, "'Now, if anybody here who hasn't been baptized "'agrees with me on this matter,' Would you please step up here to the pulpit? Paul wrote, although it was my first time there, I walked to the pulpit. The preacher told me there was nothing magical in the water, but when I descended into its depths and rose again, I knew something life-changing had happened, a cleansing inside and out. He wrote, no longer were there two Paul Harveys, one happy and one sad. There was just one happy one. I felt the fulfilling surge of the Holy Spirit. Afterward, I cried like a baby. I looked at Angel and her eyes were shining. The change in my life since this simple act has been indescribable. That, my friends, is the rest of the story. That a man past his prime, the most listened to radio personality in American history at the time, found that nothing in this world can truly satisfy. He had to reconnect to the faith of his disrupted childhood. Do you know what the Apostle Paul talked about in Acts 22? He revisited his testimony, how Ananias told him to arise and wash away his sins, calling on the name of Jesus. I'm not sure who I'm talking to on daily devotion. I'm not sure what you are going through is teaching you. But there's something we need, and we need desperately. We need to be revived in the middle. I'm thankful that God is Alpha, the first and the beginning. I'm thankful that he is Omega, the last and the ending. But I'm also glad that God specializes in new beginnings and in starting overs. He can take the second act and transform us. We can see the glory of God in our life. Revive us, Habakkuk prayed in the midst revive us in the middle in the muddle of the middle transform our lives and make us into something beautifying and adorning to the kingdom of god my prayer for our daily devotion family you're going to get through this second act you're going to move from crisis to resolution and you're going to see all that god has for you in the name of jesus christ i pray those things amen Thank you for sharing a daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.